Welcome to FileMaker Talk, the weekly podcast of all things FileMaker. I'm Matt Navarre. And my name is Matt Petrosky. I had to do that with a little bit of speed there. I wanted to throw people off guard. It's a good thing. You almost had like Captain Kirk thing going on there. <laughs> I'm Scotty. Uh, Captain Kirk of the uh, USS FileMaker. <laughs> Bro. Yeah, the really fast talking with the delays in between, with lots of drama. Oh. Cheese. I love our cheese. Our cheese is better than the cheese whiz. <laughs> and we always like have the cheese right at the very beginning, and then we get serious. Totally. But, uh, you totally. Know. In fact, before we even start this time, I've got I've got a suggestion here for any and everybody who's listening, because I've heard uh, a few people say things, well, a few emails. It's not like we're getting deluged here, but uh, uh, the links. When we mention links and... Uh, you know, when we're talking about It's Not FileMaker and cool stuff like that, um, I know what it was. I read one of the iTunes uh, reviews. The lady said uh, she liked listening to the podcast on the site because she was right there with the links. Well, here it is. If you need to know or want to access the links without having to listen to the podcast, you know, rewinding, the podcast is always at FileMakerTalk.com slash the last two digits of the year number and then the episode number, which is the episode number is always in a three-digit sequence. So this year would be 08, and what are we on right now? 11? 11. So it would be 011. So if we're doing episode 11, which this is 11, hopefully it's 11, then it's 08011. Next episode will be 12, and we'll mention whatever the uh, episode number is at the uh, start of the show. So that's the easy way to access the links. Just wanted to throw that out. Cool. All right. Going through my Google Reader, these are the items that I've starred. Uh, Monkey Bread Software, and these are going from the oldest to the newest. Monkey Bread Software released uh, a new version of their plugin. Now, the interesting one on this one was that uh, it wasn't mentioned through um, Todd's deal, Todd Geist. It was actually a mention in a posting to fmpro.org straight from uh, the Monkey Bread guy, the guy who Hmm. actually coded the plugin. So I don't know uh, if uh, Todd is no longer involved or... uh, it's Geist Interactive, right? That's his company? Yeah, Geist Interactive. He's got a lot of but, other uh, things going on. I don't think this is as big a part of his world as it was uh, a year when ago or released so. it? Yeah. Yeah. But it's got some uh, additional functions. And again, my vote for that plugin is uh, get the PHP stuff out of there. Let that stuff go with SmartPill. But that's just an opinion tacked on to the bit of news there. Uh, next item is uh, the launch um, of fmfunctions.com. Have you heard of this one? Ring the bell. FM functions. Now, don't confuse that with FM code. Now, Brian Dunning is the original. He's the guy that's got the custom functions. He set it up a long time ago, but admittedly, his site is sort of uh, with regards to functionality and quote-unquote web 2.0. He's falling to the wayside a bit. Either he needs to hire somebody to go take care of it and update it, or uh, somebody else is going to supplant him. And so far, these guys at FM Functions is going to do that. And I've got no interest in promoting these guys other than 
I know uh, one of the guys that uh, actually has coded part of the site, but it looks pretty useful. And one of the developers that I respect is actually using the site to post a lot of his functions uh, for Brees Norton. Mm-hmm. And so you go to fmfunctions.com. And they're, they're attempting to build up content. Same thing with FM Code, though. I believe that's um, from a gentleman named Hal Gumbert. Mm, I think yes. that's his last name from Camp He sent Software. us a note asking us to uh, pitch his stuff, and, which is uh, always good that we have listeners who are, you know, having good things well, to say. There's the pitch. Those are the two competitors to Brian Dunning, but uh, they're doing a bit more than just... I think FM Functions is is only functions sort of going head-on-head with Brian Dunning, and then with uh, the FM code that's also doing scripts and uh, other things that are just not following yeah. account. I still like Dunning's site, but the one thing that it lacks, it's got pretty good search capabilities and browsing. It's very fast. Uh, it doesn't have rating, and FM Functions has a way to rate functions that you like, which is pretty cool. Yes, they're getting, they're going to put in a lot more features and functionality. I mean, that's clear by the fact that they're actually using jQuery to do a lot of stuff. So there's that item. Then there, here's something that's a, a bit interesting that you actually sent me an email about this during the week. FM Web School announces our biggest sale ever, first 75 customers only. Now, that was on December 17th mm-hmm. of 2008, so I don't know if they've reached the... 75, but basically they're doing a fire sale. Yeah. And we've got some uh, presumptions about that, which are pretty obvious. They're focusing on their Yeah, app. the email was really interesting because they say right after the huge sale and the, and the value was insane, you get you know a couple thousand dollars worth of software for a couple hundred dollars. And a lot of the products are really, really useful. But then if you keep reading, it says, now a moment of honesty. We're doing this because... 90% of our products that are currently available on our site, and they have a really wide array, are going to no longer be available as of January 2. So in a bit, in a way, it's like, okay, you know, buy our stuff. Our stuff is great, but we're not going to support it or provide it after you buy well, it. Well, they say they are going to support it, but they're not going to develop new versions of it. You know? Gotcha. So they may sell off the products to some other company, but I don't really know what they're going to I don't know if they really know what they're going to do. I just think it's, I just think it's really interesting. And on one hand, it's really smart business to follow the eighty twenty rule and focus all of your business on what makes you most of your return on your investment. And maybe that's what they're doing. I'm not really sure. Oh, that's not maybe. Good. That's got to be what they're doing. They threw enough spaghetti at the wall and something stuck, and they're like, "Okay, let's make more of that." Yeah, that's true. That's FM Touch. I mean, when you're selling something that there's an actual market demand, the market responds, and you get good sales, what's the point in you know providing a plugin that makes you you know pennies on the dollar when you're able to make that full dollar? Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I'm all the support to them. Go, Stephen. Uh, you know, push your business farther and further. That's the same thing. Farther and further. Listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these are the last two items we've got. Uh, 360 Works, speaking in the terms of uh, software bundles and deals, they've got a thing called a uh, portfolio license that they are doing, and that basically is just a nice collection of all of their different products at a uh, big discount. Of course, the price ends up being, I think it's a 1000 plus for the license, but you get all of their different products, and it's the enterprise license. So I believe that's probably like a 
pay once, use as in in as many locations as you want. Or, or yeah, or like for a vertical market integration or something like that. That's pretty awesome. Right. And uh, finally, we've got productive computing. Now, here's one that's actually quite interesting. Um, they have acquired FileBooks Link from Happy Software. Now, Happy Software, they were the first company to come out with a FileMaker plugin based on the plugin API to support integration with QuickBooks, which is, I wouldn't say it's a huge market in the FileMaker space, but it's big it's enough. It's a big that, market. You know, Several players. It, well, the... There weren't. I mean, it was just happy forever yeah. until somebody, you know, until Productive actually created a product. And then we've got the uh, the one two three sync from I forget what the company is now, but you can look up one two three sync. But uh, so you've got three different players now. They're you know taking the original product, which I always considered to be the most. Uh, I shouldn't say stable, but the best out of all of them. Because I had worked with, I had downloaded and tried the uh, one from Productive and the one from Happy. I like the one from Happy, but I opted to go with my own home-brewed solution of using PHP. Which I don't suggest if you just want the quickest path to a solution. Yeah, getting a getting an existing mature thing is a good way to go. Getting one, two, three sync is from Solution Makers in Seattle. They just they introduced that one at last DevCon. Laura Boyer. Yeah, and it looked really impressive, and they had a lot of really good feedback. I haven't. I actually have not integrated FileMaker fully to QuickBooks and the products I've done so far, but I've got a client who really wants to do that in the immediate future. So I'll be evaluating and picking one. Very cool. But that's what we've got for the news. Now we can get on to it's not FileMaker. One of the things that uh, we had before was you were talking about browsers and for a Mac user switching from Safari to Firefox. I was skeptical, and but I gave it a try. I tried getting a bunch of really cool add-ons for Firefox, and I got hooked on several of them. And so now I pretty much don't use Safari anymore. I really and Firefox seems a lot slower in some ways, especially launching. When you first turn your computer on, Safari launches almost instantly, and Firefox takes a good long time. But once you're in there, they're both pretty similar in speed. They both seem to render pages about the same. Uh, They both open up new tabs about the same. But one of the add-ons that I found is really cool. It's called StumbleUpon, which is StumbleUpon.com. And you create an account, and uh, it suggests really cool sites that match your interests. And some of them are kind of out it. there, and some of them are in there, but it's it's really cool. I mean, so if you've got like a, if you want to take a quick break, you can just click once on the stumble upon link. It's almost like using the I'm feeling lucky Google link, where you would type and a it's search term. like a drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you can just keep clicking it, and then you, uh, it's sort of like the same thing you get with internet radio, where you can rate a song and say you like it or don't like it, and it changes up the mix or go to Netflix and enter your movies in and rate which movies you like and you get a more accurate result or the products that you buy on Amazon. So it basically rates what you like and don't like um, and gives you better results for pages that are that you never would find by just searching or or um, browsing. So it's pretty cool. I like it. Have you used the friend feature part yet where you can you can associate yourself, your account to other accounts that are your friends and it uh it 
you can make suggestions based on what they're doing as well. Right. A little bit, not like that much. As well. It's a pretty deep application. I really only use kind of the, the basic. It has all these other features, but I pretty much just use the stumble to find one page and then the rate to like it or don't like it. That's mostly what I use. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what I've used. I've I've linked with a couple of friends, but I found some good sites through it. I like it. You're a big stumbler, though? Um, there will be, like, some days where I just need a break, and then I'll end up stumbling for, like, 30, 40 minutes just <laughs> looking what's out there. Wow. And the web is so overwhelming that you're like, what am I missing out on? In fact, that's probably, for me, one of the most debilitating aspects of the web is feeling like you don't know much because there is so much out there. And so you end up spending a lot of time just trucking through, like, stumble upon or back in the day when they had websites that were like listings of what are top popular websites, just trucking through them because you feel like, okay, I have to know about all the different things that are out there. Of course, you could never keep up with the the rate at which oh, no, last cool year, things get Last year, added. I took a couple of months off and I read the whole web. You know, come to think of it, I actually hit that page that said I had hit the end of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> end of the internet? You're done. <laughs> yes. Have you, have you seen that? It's a crack-up page. That's funny. Somebody put it up, says, sorry, you've hit the end of the internet. Now go do something <laughs> productive funny. or go do something valuable with your life. <laughs> I've never seen that, but that sounds funny. Oh, that's a good one. So my uh, It's Not FileMaker. Mine is uh, Cool Iris at cooliris.com. I don't know where I first found this, but it falls in line with uh, your move over to Firefox. It, there's a plugin for it. And basically what it does is it creates this, it's a viewer, but it's almost like you go into a completely different application. First of all, it, it takes over your whole screen. It makes the whole screen black. And it pre- presents all of these items on the page of what you were looking at or searching for. Now, what this deals with is rich media. So, for example, videos and pictures predominantly. Most recently, I was looking for an icon designer, and I went to, and it's got hooks into all of the popular social media websites and other popular websites like DeviantArt. Mm -hmm. Check this out. You'll like this. Facebook. It's hooked into Facebook. So if you're on a Facebook page and you're looking at other people's albums, you, it's got a little. It puts a little icon on any media within the browser. When you click on the icon in the lower uh, left-hand corner, it invokes or brings up Cool Iris, which bl- blanks out the screen, but then creates this really awesome uh, viewer where you can basically. It's sort of like swishing past, you know, just like using your finger across an iPhone, where you swish past things, but it shows them in groups and it does it very fluidly where you just swish across all, all of these items, and then you click on any one that you want to see, and it enlarges it. And if it's a video, then it just cr- makes the player and starts to play it. You click out of it, and it just goes away. And then you can search from within it, searching like YouTube. You'll like this one, Hulu, mm-hmm. or Hula, or whatever it is, for all the different videos they've got. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really awesome way to, to surf through rich media. They have an iPhone app. And you got to check this out. This is one of the things that uh, I've just sort of figured this out the other day. This will benefit the people in our audience that have uh, children. 
typically I don't give my kid my iPhone just in case he'll drop it. He's three. But there's this application, an iPhone app called Scribble. Scribble allows you to simply just, you know, touch on the screen and draw anything. You can choose the different pen sizes and different colors. But the kid, you know, at three years old, he can actually do this. Well, one of the things you can do is load a photo into the background. So you can take a picture, and I've got pictures of him and his little brother, and then he'll want to draw on top of their faces and stuff, you know, mustaches, whatever. (laughs) Well, using Cool Iris, anything on the iPhone in particular, anything that you see, it's got a little download button. So you can go search Cool Iris on on the iPhone, look for something like just black and white clip art or put in the word keyword cartoon download that it downloads downloads it into your photos on your iPhone and then invoke this little scribble app and put it as the background Ta-da! instant coloring book for your little kid that's cool to use on your iPhone yeah. loving it by the way i got a really cool little iPhone hidden feature that i don't know if you knew existed anywhere you are on the iPhone any application that you have running or any website if you hold the menu button and the top button at the same time, you click them both, it takes a screenshot of what you're looking at and adds it to your photo library. The menu button? You're talking about the, the circle button, Yeah, right? the two physical buttons on the iPhone, the menu button on the bottom and the like the sleep button on the top. Oh, that's the same way that you reset. You just push them both simultaneously? You just push them both once as opposed to push and hold them. Oh, I got to totally check that out. That's nice. Yeah, it's really cool. So if you're looking at a website um, and and you're wanting to take the whole shot, you can do that. There's another feature, too, where you can take any photo from a – I can't remember exactly the keyboard shortcut, but if you're looking at a website and there's a picture on there, I don't know if you click and hold it with your finger or click and hold it and click a button. I think you maybe just click and hold it, and it has an option to save that particular picture to your uh, library, which is pretty cool also. Beautiful. I'll be getting all, all kinds of little cartoons and things that my kid can scribble on top of. Yep, exactly. All right, so now we have FileMaker Cool. And this week we've got... Can you guess what it is? Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be your article. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going for. Yes, then again, yeah, yet again, it is one of my articles. I'm not going to edit out uh, my long uh to either this time. <laughs> oh, no problem. So what's your article about? It's about time-saving quick tips. Now, the key thing in this cool. is, well, first off, it's a free, it's a free video, thanks to the season, and basically it's the video... I don't know if you knew this, but for every two videos that I do that are uh, paid videos or, or lockdown videos, I do one that's free. And that's just a, a contribution back to the community and also to keep the traffic flow going, keep people interested and hoping that they'll want those ones that are locked down. But uh, this one simply walks through just a it's a marathon video where I just go one tip right after the other. There are about, uh, I think, 10 or more tips but they're based off of um, a fact that I have off of the FileMakerMagazine.com domain. I don't know if you knew this, but if you go to fact.filemakermagazine.com, I have a wiki where pretty much anybody can grab an account and can post and edit 
files on this wiki. I haven't promoted it. It's not even linked off of the magazine site. This is the first time I've mentioned it on the podcast. But anybody that has anything they want to track, they can put it there. So it's at slash wiki slash quick tips where I just walked through each of the tips that I've had up there. And I modified and enhanced some of them. But uh, there's just a bunch of tips in the video. Uh, some things that you may not know. Did you know you can jump into the uh, object info palette using a keyboard command? Yeah. Control there option. That's Control option tab. I use that one because you're, today. Because you are the man. You know those things. <laughs> Actually, uh, but if you're, that was only one of the very few downsides in FileMaker when they added the ability to have an object name. Is because I, I use the um, the pixel dimensions uh, from the top, from the left, and the size all the time, and so I used to oh, just you know hit the keyboard shortcut and I could go quickly into the fields that I wanted to edit, so that I could have all my fields be sixteen pixels high and date fields are you know date fields are either eighty or hundred pixels wide depending upon if they have a little calendar. I have all these dimensions memorized for crap that I do all the time. But now well, that you have the another one. anchoring, those are also clickable into. So now there's a lot more tabs you have to click once you click into the thing. True. Did you know that uh, basically you can, with nothing selected, just start typing text, and that text will appear based on the last known click location? Mm-hmm. Same if you now, paste. If you paste exactly. something from one layout to another. And if you select an object... Then you start to type. You, whatever you type will automatically assume those dimensions of the selected object. Hmm. Did you know? Uh huh. So yes, that I think useful, I did. Especially if you I have think I did know that vertically one. centered text. So this uh, the paste thing actually has a useful tip too that I use. When you're pasting something onto a tab, all the objects that you're pasting have to fit onto your tab. So a really good thing to do is to click right in the middle of the tab before you paste. And that will ensure that uh, the objects that you that you uh, paste go right to where you're clicking, as opposed to the so last place the cursor was clicked. So they don't disappear like they do sometimes when you. Uh, yeah, exactly. Put them on a tab, and yeah, because if one of the objects is, is not on the tab, then it will be behind it instead of on top of it. Very cool. So you're going to go to the fact and go add these to that page, right? I already did what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's fast, man. That's, that's, so that's what this is for, those kind of tips, huh? Um, it's for anything. Anything and everything. I mean, it's the one thing that it's lacking right now, in my opinion, is just a, a good sense of organization. But it would be great if the community wanted to go to this and say, okay, let's put this organization behind it. You know, Let's put the versions of FileMaker. Let's put the features that they support. Let's put... You know, information about this. I mean, this is something that the community can have full control over because it's a wiki. It can be edited just like Wikipedia. It uses the exact same software that Wikipedia uses. Wikipedia or Conservapedia or Liberapedia. Have you heard of those? (laughs) Or any of the ones that are using the MediaWiki software, which is open source and freely available. Right. I just think it's really, well, I don't know, it's... It's interesting, not to get into the politics thing, but I heard about this thing called Conservapedia a couple of years ago that has very amusing articles on topics like, say, creationism and evolution. And then they came out with Liberapedia, which is sort of the uh, the left-wing answer to the same thing, which is equally the amusing to somebody who's a central, you know, too centrist, like I try to be, you know, not too far on either side. 
So my FileMaker cool this week is maybe not something that's so massively cool. It's Google Charts, the away, the freeway uh, to add charts and graphs, line charts, pie charts, stuff like that, to your FileMaker database. You can do up to 250,000 chart calls a day without having to pay any money to Google. And they're really, really easy to set up. You All the work is actually on summarizing your data so that you can actually get the data points that you want to make. But once you have that, the URL call that you make is really, really simple, and you can just go to Google and type in you know, Google Charts, and you'll find the link to the documentation. And it's pretty cool. Now, isn't there a limitation on the terms with regards to using that in a commercial solution? I don't think so. I think this is a pretty open thing. It's different than other Google applications in their in their um, terms. But I'm not absolutely sure. But from what I've seen, it says the only limitation are if you're going to have more than 250000 a day, check with them first. Which I doubt there would be too many FileMaker solutions that would do that. And if there are, I want to know about them because that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. On to the topic. Topic. Well, I think today we're going to talk about the FileMaker community. Which is all three of you listening. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We love it. (laughs) That's why we're not getting that much email. It's because you're busy. Yeah. Working, which is good. Brings us to our, you know, our um, topic talking about the economy and how that affects FileMaker users in both good and bad ways. But the community, is it healthy? Is it growing? What's different about the FileMaker community and other communities? How do you plug in if you're not feeling like you're plugged in? Where should we start? Well, why don't we start with that one? I mean, basically, uh, we're, we're both going to be coming from different uh, angles on a lot of this stuff, and I'm sure other people are going to have uh, different opinions, but one of the things that um, I find is while there are people that it's great to sync with, FileMaker is it's small enough that it's almost hard to do if you're in any area other than a major metro. I mean, you've got that. I'm in a town in between San Diego and uh, Orange County, and driving up, there's, there's a great group in uh, Orange County, L.A. area. Mm-hmm. The one in San Diego that I know of isn't too active and there aren't a whole lot of people, but I am actually, I feel more disconnected a lot of the times than I know that you do. And that's because you are. Well, I run the, uh, I run the FileMaker, the FM pug group in Portland and I'm not exactly sure why, but our group is really, really strong. We have a lot of, our, our, our group is very developer focused, not user focused. And we have between 20 and 40 people coming to meetings every month. Uh, we meet 11 months of the year. We're not meeting in December. And it's pretty great. It's definitely the FM Pug group, I think, has been really valuable for the people coming to the meetings to connect and to talk. A bunch of people go out to beer afterward, and we try to leave some time to socialize and talk. But also just get presentations on what's going on and what trends are emerging for FileMaker developers. So that's one great way to plug in. I think the best way to plug into the community, though, is by leaving a positive review for this podcast on iTunes. <laughs> that's always the best way. <laughs> I, can't, I can't exactly explain how that will plug you in, but trust me. <laughs> so I'm wondering whether it's just me or whether it's something that, that the community is sort of lacking. And is is everybody so busy 
that they don't have the time to participate or the people that do have the time to participate, they're participating in areas where I'm not. For example, I know that FM Forums is is pretty active. Very active. Uh, he, Did you see how many he, users they have? It's amazing. Yeah, he gets he gets a lot of traffic and you know, every day you either get gratification from posting or a reply to helping somebody solving a problem or you're getting gratification by, you know, just simply being involved. And maybe I'm that's my problem where I'm just not that involved in the community whereas before, I remember the days going back to like 1995, whoosh, and using AOL. And the AOL file trading community because uh, in AOL you had these all these different areas and FileMaker had one and you could contribute your files and then you know you would go download other people's files that for me has sort of disappeared it's like you, there's no central place where you can go look at other people's stuff sort of compare relate it to yours and then make your own submissions and be able to interact with other people in that regard. Well, the, the problem is not that there's not one central one. The problem is there's too many of them, right? You've got, like, for example, the custom function thing. Let's say that that's what you're trying to do. You've got this new one, which is what we talked about a bit ago, um, FileMaker Code. You've got Brian Dunning's site. You've got Google Code where you can post stuff there. So there's no, yeah, you're right. There is no central place where you can go. Uh, FileMaker doesn't really have anything. I mean, you can post your solutions there, but they're not really for discussion. They're more for products that you sell on the uh, FBA website. Yeah, it's sort of like because I compare this mentally to uh, to Drupal again. There, I say Drupal just because the, like open source communities are. There are people that are uh, so proactive, and there's a, a lot. It seems like there's more people make, making public contributions for the sake of overall betterment. Whereas with FileMaker, you've got a lot of people, almost everybody's got their own project that they're working on that needs to get done. They're under some type of deadline, and they're just doing their work. They go out, look for some type of solution, find it, and just come back in, You know, not having the time to go out and, uh, you know, I don't know, bolster the social aspect of the FileMaker community. I guess that's what I'm after. Right. Well, there's a lot of individual ones. Um, I mean, a lot of people, individuals' websites have it, like Dwayne Wright, the FileMaker Thought Bucket, which is pretty cool. Six Fried Rice has some really good posts. And those would be blog post format with files that you can download and learn. But, uh, of course, you're you're a huge part of that with your free articles, every third article, and and it's very inexpensive to get the paid ones, so I've just had a subscription to your stuff for years. There's nothing online currently, is there? I mean, I've heard of people doing like a, a Friday night FileMaker chat or something, but nothing that's really, you know, community-oriented that I know of that you can go to other than the user groups. Do you know of anything? Not really. It's sort of go to a forum or do you subscribe to the to the mailing lists anymore? Those were really popular back in the day. Some of them. I'm on, I guess I'm on several of them. I'm on the uh, TechNet and the FBA. Uh, let's see, FM Pug has one. I guess when I think about it, I'm much more of an auditory learner. So most of the information I process and remember is from audio. So when I read books, I listen to them from audible.com, listen to podcasts to get information on science and stuff like that, rather than reading. Gotcha. To, I just uh, got a ping from Scott Karch while we're talking here. He's listening to one of our podcasts right now. He thought it was great. That's pretty funny. 
Well, hopefully everybody else is listening too. So hi, Scott. <laughs> He's going to be talking at DevCon about uh, virtualization, which is a really cool topic. DevCon. Ooh, I'm a little bit bitter right now about that one. Oh, yeah, that's right, because today's the day, huh? I got denied. And I got approved. Huh. FileMaker doesn't <laughs> FileMaker doesn't want Matt Petrowski to talk about anything related to FileMaker. Either that or they just didn't like what I submitted. No, I know what happened. They confused us. They thought I was you and you were me. <laughs> That's gotta be it. I mean take I, a look I, at I, your history in the community. I mean your your standing is like five times what mine is, you know? Well I'm gonna I'm gonna make an announcement. I'm gonna say all those three that are actually listening, go tell FileMaker that you wanna hear me speak at DEF CON. <laughs> <laughs> I told him I wanted to hear you speak. Those three people. So are you interested in what I was gonna speak about? Yeah, tell me what what were you gonna present? Well I had two topics. The first topic was making your development environment in FileMaker more efficient. Basically just doing things quicker, easier, and better using an array of tools. And so maybe I didn't explain, you know, how I was going to do that well enough. See, I think and that's why you got denied, because no one really cares about efficiency. Oh, yeah. Nobody wants to know how they can uh, make their development time in FileMaker, you know, half of what yeah. it might be right now. I mean, why would they? <laughs> we make our living making things harder, right? <laughs> and we get paid by the hour. Exactly. <laughs> like attorneys bill 0.6 hours for sending a fax. What was your other topic? My, or what? my other topic was going to be jQuery, just basically teaching people how to do how to first of all understand and use jQuery and do it within a web viewer. And I thought that would be a, a really popular one. That'd be a John cool Sendler workshop. John said that he wanted to see it. <laughs> I want to see it. I, I guess we should talk more about jQuery because I don't fully get its ramifications, and 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 I need some more examples on how I could use it. I've thought a lot about showing search results, for example. Uh, in a Google style, in, in an HTML page, so that when you query your database, you get results back in in a basically something that you use jQuery to parse, and you can use a lot of uh, Web 2.0 type tactics, J, you know, JavaScript type stuff to click on a little triangle and show more detail for a specific hit and stuff like that. But I, I need more examples on what types of searches you could do that yield benefits that you couldn't get any other way. Yeah, I don't know well, if you want full, to talk about that now. Maybe we should just have a whole episode. Interaction is not going to happen unless you use a plugin where you can get some response back from the web viewer using. And MBS is the only one that I know of. In order to have something else happen in FileMaker, unless they put that in FileMaker down the road. But right now, the display of information you can do a lot more creatively than you can just with native FileMaker. Yep. So. Got denied. What you what you get your uh, in with? One of the ones I submitted was uh, America's top separation model. <laughs> Let it sink in. <laughs> nice. I talked nice. about separation model last year, so I was looking for a stupid name for this one. And I've actually learned a lot of stuff about the separation model since then, and also looking more at a couple of other sort of compare and contrast models, the session model and the transaction model. Yeah. Um, to sort of, you know, bring them all together. I'm really hoping that there's specific topics dedicated just to those two things because I think it would be great if we can sort of talk about all of them uh, in in one space and, and connect from one to another. Well, yeah, you'd have you'd sort of have to do them in some type of sequence, right? Yeah. And then my other session was extending and optimizing FileMaker search, uh, which 
also was the one I talked about last year. So, but again, both of these topics are things I've been working with a lot. So hopefully, hopefully there'll be a lot of new information at the topics next year. And you got them both. Yes. Nice. Congratulations. Thanks. So I don't know if I should be sad or if I should say, uh, let it be. You can be it's recording. It's been five years since I talked, so yeah, maybe I'm just not good at it anymore. No, I think it'd be great. <laughs> After I spoke the first year, um, I applied the second year and got denied. So I think what it really comes down to is if they get the specific interest of what they're trying to go for, and you know what kind of clustering of topics they really want. And if they get a whole bunch of people submitting on specific topics, for example, they probably had eight or ten people submit on jQuery. <laughs> now, if they don't have a topic related to jQuery, I'm going to laugh my butt off. Well, see, <laughs> I brought that. I think it's funny on jQuery because I think that's really, really specific. I don't. I just as cool as it is at this phase, I don't know if that really appeals to a large demographic. I don't know. You think I'm wrong? I don't know. I might not, but I mean. Presenting things within a web viewer, you can do a, a lot more in terms of presentation with a greater reduction of fields than doing the same thing in FileMaker. Yeah, that's definitely true. Because you have to create extra fields just in order to present things a certain way when you can do it right in a web viewer exactly. because you have full access to the calculation engine. Exactly. That's, I've been using that more and more for different things. I don't I mean, like creating you, fields for anything. Fields have very high support costs going forward in any solution, so I create them only after long argument. <laughs> totally, and that's that was part of why I was what I was going to suggest in that is that when you start to get up into the you know realm of a solution that is very quickly becoming hard to manage, uh, you need to sort of figure out, okay, how much of this do I want to actually have to maintain and support? I can't just add a new calculation to display this nice little uh, pretty, you know, we found one record versus records for every different type of feature that you want to add in the database. You need to start to use the environment to do that, and the web viewer is a perfect place to do it. Absolutely, so. yeah. It all goes, I file all of that under the separation model. What is interface? What is data? And all the all the things that traditionally have been done by creating fields, or not all, but many, can now be done in a web viewer, and even more efficiently in a web viewer with jQuery, if you are tough enough to crack that nut, you know? Or prettier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, prettier, too. And jQuery Sorry. makes it way easier than doing it with JavaScript directly. So, let's see, what else is, is uh, going on about the FileMaker community? Would you say, overall, it's healthy, growing? You know what? I I hate to admit that I'm I don't I guess I don't feel like I'm plugged in that much just because of uh, where I'm at not being in the user groups. I love going to DevCon. I have to be honest. The last DevCon that I went to was the first DevCon that I've been to since. Well, actually, that's that's not is the second one that I had been to prior to speaking like four or five years ago was the last one that I had gone to because I started my family and. I had the most fun last year because I completely went in with a different mindset than I had ever gone before. And that was, I'm just here for the social aspect. And that's pretty much it. And I didn't even go to one session. Hmm. See, so, to me, I, so I guess we're maybe we're maybe defining the FileMaker community a little bit differently. I guess there's the physical community where you're actually talking to people using analog technologies. And then there's the 
the other community of these, all these other things like FM forums, FM pug, um, you know, TechNet, and all these other places where you can talk to people and contribute to the community electronically. So what's the split that you're drawing again here? Well, you know, the analog versus digital, I guess, or the physical versus just online. I get what you're talking about. I think they're, I still, I think they're still both the community, but one of them doesn't really give you the same social interaction as going to an actual user group or going to DevCon and, you know, drinking beer with other yeah. programmers from all around the world. And that's probably what I'm looking for since I'm uh, usually programming, you know, coding by myself in my own office. Yeah. So, but the uh, the online community, I from what I can see, I mean, it's doing fine. Both of the two most popular uh, forum sites, they're doing just fine. Yeah. They've got a, a lot of contributions. What would be interesting to hear from people is what specifically they are looking for with regards to how they want to get plugged in. I mean, if if they consider all the, the aspects, you've got mailing lists, you've got uh, forums where mailing lists are going to be a little bit more passive. Forums, you're going to have to be a little bit more proactive. User groups, you definitely have to be proactive because you're going to have to get in your car and go somewhere. You know, what is it that people are looking for that facilitates the type of interaction that they're looking for because you've got to look for that if you want to continue to grow. Yeah, you do. I mean, you learn from other people. Totally. At every stage of the game, doesn't matter how experienced you are, there's still cool things you're going to pick up from being around other people. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's key. Yep. So what are your main gripes with comparing the FileMaker community to other development communities? For example, Adobe, Microsoft, Access and SQL, uh, Drupal, uh, PHP, open source. What are the things that some of the other communities do that don't, just don't happen in FileMaker? Oh, this one's going to get me in trouble. That's okay. But it's I'm, open, open forum, man. I'm going to have to be honest. Do it. FileMaker itself, as a company, is very poor at giving their third-party market the support that that third-party market would like. Now, I don't know if this has changed because I haven't fully interacted with them, uh, you know, to a great level of detail in the past. And there are great, definitely great people at FileMaker. But with regards to, like, I guess it would be a company mindset or something, as a third-party provider myself, you sometimes feel like you're just, like, out in the dark. It's like... FileMaker, I'm creating stuff that benefits your market. It hopefully is you know, benefiting other people, and I don't want this to be a platform, but FileMaker has a lot of power in their ability to empower their, their community and their market by facilitating these type of things. But the, the mindset from FileMaker and a lot of other corporations is if it doesn't come from us, then we can't support it. Whereas like in the open source community, it's amazing Somebody will set something up, and you'll you'll have people that'll gripe and say, "Okay, how can that become the standard?" In particular, what I'm thinking of is uh, modules. There was a guy that set up a site called Drupal Modules, and you could correlate this to, say, for example, a plugin site. If somebody came up and wanted to create and support and maintain a really nice plugin site where you could go, you could research plugins, and it would tell you everything about the plugins, make it easy for you to find those plugins. What I've seen from FileMaker in my past 
plus years is they will not get behind that. And if they wanted to do something, they would have to do it themselves. And to me, that is one of their biggest shortcomings as a company. Yeah, I guess I've Not- seen some, some evidence of that. But I guess I was thinking more of what, what are the specific things that actually uh, that other companies have plugged in that could work well in FileMaker, but they haven't actually adopted it. I guess you listed a couple of examples. I'm looking for more. Uh, where companies... Well, have- for example, one of the ways that ties into what you're saying is appearance on the FileMaker website of other companies, for example, if you go on FileMaker's website and you wanted to look for this podcast or your magazine site or oh, FM Pub or them. FM Forums, yeah, exactly. Those things are just not there. They're not listed anywhere on FileMaker's website. And that's one of the things I think that they could do a lot better. And I think part of that is because they have a developer relations group that does the job of communicating with consultants, but they don't really have a group that communicates with other people in the community, like a community relations group, to talk to people like FM Pug and this podcast and people like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just surprising to me because what's funny is when there's a larger company and then you have smaller companies based around it that they're doing stuff to support that company's market out of a pure passion, when they get feedback and acknowledgement from the larger company, it's almost like a parent to a child. You're like, great, you love me. And it so fuels the fire behind those companies to continue to push their market forward. Exactly. But Validation. You just, you just don't find it. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time that I've had any type of outreach from FileMaker at all. From anyone. See, I get it as a, as a developer and as an FBA Platinum member, I really do get that from them. From from my local rep, Phil Smith, and from Alexi Folger, I definitely get reached out to regularly. But that's because I'm a developer. And that's probably, there's, there's I'm not saying I'm blameless here. There's, there's probably, you know, my fault from not reaching out and seeking assistance or seeking help. And, and I have to be honest, I'm, you know, if it's coming through, it has to be coming through. There's a little bit of bitterness because there were a number of years where I almost feel like I was abandoned. I wasn't on the ETS. And this was after, you know, many, many years of continuously supporting and promoting and pushing and teaching about FileMaker and things like that, where, there were two or three years that I just wasn't even on the uh, the program where you get to know about the next version of FileMaker and give feedback and stuff like this. I have to say that changed. Somebody somewhere put in a word, and I did uh, get on the uh, program this year. So I've been able to be informed so that I know what's going on when the new version does come out. Thank you for that, whoever did that at FileMaker, because now I can actually be prepared when the new version comes out, and I can talk about it you know, in articles on the magazine site. The previous two years before that, I was just completely in the dark and I was a little bit bitter. I'm like, I've been doing this since 1995. What happened? And you were an employee at FileMaker. I tell you, I've got a friend that uh, he writes articles for a very popular uh, Adobe, well, it's a third-party publication mm-hmm. that deals with the Adobe Photoshop market. And Adobe just throws stuff on him like crazy their relationship with the people that support their market i mean he was doing articles based on using photoshop for uh, the purpose of television they not only would throw him betas and copies of photoshop but they threw him copies of everything 
that Adobe made. And they had somebody that called him up, asked him if he needed anything, and and just that type of outreach for bolstering your own market is super beneficial. Mm -hmm. You've got people that will push your product and build your market with you having to do very little legwork. And that's what I'd love to see from from FileMaker as a company. Yeah, I guess we see Apple kind of doing that with the uh, with the iPhone store, promoting certain applications. Yep. It's, it's definitely a very much, uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, but you don't hear from them at all. You're just out there wondering, okay, you know, is what I'm doing of any benefit to people? Mm-hmm. Definitely we see Microsoft doing a lot of that with their developers. So I think they could really they could empower the community a lot. In my opinion, they could get behind it. It would take some risks on their behalf with regards to their current method of operating. It's like you know you can disclaim anything. You know, say this this service or this site is provided by a third party company. Their opinions and viewpoints or whatever, but we think that it has some merit and some value. And, you know, give it a little bit of exposure, feed some traffic to these sites, mm-hmm. you know, the various function sites, whatever. You are going to have such a bigger community getting behind your product than if you just try to do everything yourself. I know one of the things that FileMaker really wants to do is they want to have more developers who are young because most of us are, you know, 40-ish uh, in this community. And there's not a whole lot of people graduating high school and college who are choosing FileMaker as the tool that they're going to use to make their living, which is what I did. And when I graduated college, you know, this is pretty much the tool I used in college and after, and that was a long time ago. You know, 1989 is when I started my business. Super props to FileMaker. I learned to program because of FileMaker, and I will say that publicly. I I, I opened Fox Pro, and I was in college. Opened Fox Pro for Mac, started to get into that, thought that was going to be cool, didn't like it because it required too much effort. Was running a t-shirt company, t-shirt business, making t-shirts for uh, fraternities and sororities. Open FileMaker, got into it. I had been exposed to it before, uh, working at a, a camera shop where these salesman guys were using it. But after that, FileMaker taught me how to program. And so now I'm able to do stuff in uh, a lot of different languages because of it. See, I guess I have a kind of a similar story. Back in the day when I was in college, I actually have a degree in music. But while I was working my way through music school, I I worked at an Egghead software retail store. This really is almost embarrassing to admit. Egghead, (laughs) I remember that, dude. But but it was so long ago. And uh, the store was open until 9 o'clock every night, but nobody came in from 7 to 9. And we had a policy. We had a shrink wrap machine. We could open up anything we wanted and play with it. So... Um, you could either clean the store or you could play with software from seven to nine every night. <laughs> and I opened up everything, man. I, I used to, so we sold all these databases, right? We sold fourth dimension, Omnis three and FileMaker were the three big databases on the Mac. We sold Ashton Tate DBase and, you know, all the other ones. This is pre-access on the PC and I'd open them and play with them. And, and, uh, FileMaker was the one that was by far the most accessible in those days. And so that's the one I really picked, and that's kind of how I got started in it. Nice. Ashton Tate, you're bringing back memories. <laughs> yeah. I did work in several different DBase-type programs, and, of course, now I make my living replacing Access and DBase and Clipper. and <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing how many of those things still exist. Man. 
It's been uh, FileMaker as a software package. It's been great to me. I love it. So I guess we don't really have any hard and fast conclusions on the FileMaker community. I generally have a pretty good feeling for it, largely because of the uh, the connectedness that Portland has, because it's, Portland is a really great city to be a FileMaker developer, because there are many of us here. I mean, we have a lot of people who get together. Yeah. And, you know, we're way smaller by population, even than your area, certainly way smaller than San Diego. Well, there's there's 600,000 people in the city of Portland, and there's, what, 11 million in San Diego County? Oh, gosh, I have no idea. Probably much more than that in Orange County and much twice that even in L.A. County. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just going to be stuck here in the middle in between both of them. So I probably, it's probably my fault, and I've got to get out and be more proactive about it myself. Or start a user group nearer you. I bet you the count of people in Murrieta that are actually using FileMaker is, uh, well, I know Jeff Riles here, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's into Macula. There's the two. <laughs> Excelsis, but isn't all of Excelsis located there? No, no, no. Well, they're all over well, the place? Yeah, they're virtual, and they've got, uh, I don't know if they've got a, a physical office somewhere. Don't know oh. if I'm supposed to let that out. or They've got, you know, multiple locations, like most right. FileMaker development companies. Well, it makes sense to do that. You really want presence in a lot of places to be able to serve a larger community. Yeah, so they probably got people that uh, operate out of their homes, and then they get together and go to a client and then bring it back. I don't know. Do you know of an actual FileMaker consulting company that has a physical establishment? I know that there are you know yeah. people that have offices, but a place where they, you know. Definitely. I've been to them. I've been to a couple one, you know, uh, definitely. Yeah, and I don't know if there's any really large ones, but right here in Portland there's a four-person FileMaker company. Yeah. And I'm pretty uh, sure that Solution Makers in Seattle is the same kind of a deal. They actually have a an office that a bunch of people show up to every day. Pre-One certainly did. Twelve people work there. I don't so. know what I'm thinking. I was crazy. Ignore what I was saying. But, but, I, but I think I, if I was, you take a look at the bigger companies, right, like Excel Assistance Alliant, they, they have – presence in so many cities, I don't think they have a place where there's 30 people in one roof who do FileMaker. Yeah, I, I think that's more of what that's I was what you were getting at. mentally thinking of. But mm-hmm. No, I'm, yeah, there are definitely <laughs> physical buildings where people are developing FileMaker. I was, I was crazy talk there. It's so old school. Of course, people <laughs> say that it's just going to go away by the, any time in the next five minutes, but <laughs> I just don't see it. I, I get such a different energy when I'm sitting with my client than I ever do with a client on the phone or virtual in terms of what you can achieve and, and also how much you enjoy the process of building something. Yeah. But uh, I can't, it's hard for me to imagine only ever working in a disconnected setting. That might just be me. And uh, I think some developers totally prefer to sit in a room and program, but I find that the longer I do it, the more I really want to have uh, the subject matter expert there with me for a significant part of the development. Yeah. I think it gets a, a faster, better result, and it's a more enjoyable process. Definitely interaction and feedback. Those are valuable, especially when it comes to gratification. I think there's one other really good way you can connect with the FileMaker community, and that's Facebook. There's a huge number of FileMaker developers on Facebook, and you can kind of see what's going on in their personal lives and you know, have a place so you can chat and ask a question or post something to their wall or just basically kind of know a little bit more about the people who do what you do in different parts of the country and the world. Yeah. Ernest over at Proof, he's using it uh, 
for stuff they're doing. Yeah, for business. That's right. And he's on Twitter as well. So, very cool. Today, actually, by the time you hear this, there will be a FileMaker Talk Facebook group that you can join. <laughs> You're going to do it, huh? I'm going to do it, sure. Why not? And um, that way people can post something interesting that they've seen there as one additional place in addition to your FAQ, FAQ.FileMakerMagazine.com. Let's do it. Let's see if we can get everybody who listens to this podcast on a Facebook group. All three of you. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, you have to join too. (laughs) Cool. Well, I think that about wraps up uh, what I've got to say about the uh, community. I'm sure there's a lot more. And definitely if you have feedback, if you're listening right now, by all means, send it to us. Matt at FileMakerTalk.com. Also, uh, what about those iTunes reviews, Matt? What could we use? What could we use? Yeah, what could we use? What kind of reviews, you mean? Positive ones. <laughs> well, definitely positive ones, but any reviews. If anybody has any reviews, just go up to iTunes and post a review. What you like, what you don't like, or send it to us. Yeah, what but, we could do better, what we could do less of. Yeah, do it on iTunes. Like, for example, here's something. John Sendelar mentioned that he really liked our concept of It's Not FileMaker. Hmm. I don't know if he told you that, but he just thought it was the coolest thing because, you know, you can have a podcast and talk until you're blue in the face about all kinds of different things. Sure. FileMaker. But this gives a, you know, it gives it a different dimension. You know, what's going on, different technical things, what we're into outside of FileMaker. Yeah, exactly. Send us ideas on what your It's Not FileMaker might be. Oh, yeah, totally. Love to hear it. So that you don't keep hearing about plugins for Facebook and iPhone applications. <laughs> <laughs> or Brussels sprouts. <laughs> or Brussels sprouts or, or beer. <laughs> the last episode. <laughs> cool. Well, that's it. I'll uh, be talking to you soon. All right. See you later, Matt. Bye.